Welcome everyone to another enthralling, exhilarating, exciting episode of Tavern Voices. My name is Kevin King and join with me as always from across the great state of North Carolina is the Tyler Crawley. How is it going, buddy? It's good. It's good. Good for a Monday. So I'll take it now. Unfortunately, I do want to say my voice is a little uh, subpar, so I do apologize for the listeners, but not much I can do about that. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a little messed up. You're not supposed to say what day of the week it is, so then people know when I finally get around to editing this. I disagree. Input, you know? No? Okay. <laughs> it's good we, that we are we're recording it because if something <laughs> breaks and then we're not talking about it, we don't look like complete you know, idiots for not covering a big story. So they're like, oh, Monday is when they covered this. So you know, then tomorrow when this like giant story breaks, we won't look like idiots for not covering it. We will just look like idiots for probably a totally different reason, and That's I'm okay fine. with that. Yeah, but as long as it's not for not – because all I do all day – is pay attention to the news. And there's nothing that, that infuriates me more than missing a story. And so people can say whatever they want, but as long as they're like, yeah, but that guy does know what's going on with the news cycle. That's all I want. Cause that's like, that's like my drug is the news cycle. And so I just want to make it very clear that I don't, I don't, I try not to miss anything. It's, it's, you know, unavoidable, but I do my best. And so I, I just want to make it clear that something big happens on Tuesday. We, we recorded this on Monday. That's a, that's a good point. You know, I don't keep up with the news nearly as much as I used to. Yeah, and probably kind of miss it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I like to keep up with what's going on, but there's just so much. And being in yeah. in the state system right now, you kind of get absorbed into that, and you miss all the national stuff because you're just not paying attention at all. Well, it's and and what's crazy is like, especially right now with the state stuff is that there's so much happening with the state because sometimes, you know, I used to, so I used to do a four hour show and I would try and devote an entire hour to North Carolina. And, you know, during short session, long session, it's just like overflowing, bursting. But yeah, I mean, sometimes like in December, there's like nothing going on in the state of North Carolina I mean, there's like nothing. But right now it's like insane. So you can get caught up in it, but sometimes there's nothing going on in the state. And so you have, you kind of almost have, if you want to pay attention to any news, it's going to be, uh, national, but right now you can get lost in the state stuff easily. Is there anything exciting going on in the state that you uh, you want to mention? Well, there was the well, there was the one story about the uh, legislator Trudy Wade, whose uh, picture on Google, and that uh, and it, it was kind of you know interesting story. So for those that haven't heard it, what happened is that we you, you know we search for someone in Google a little box will pop up. It's called like a knowledge box and it like lists everyone's, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't like a, a, real, a real summation of someone, especially someone famous like Trudy Wade, who's a you know, state legislator, uh, but, you know, for actor or anyone that you put in there. And so what happened is that, you know, I mean, Google uses a lot of algorithms to find pictures and things like that. And so what happened was, is that Google ended up pulling a picture of her from a website that called her a bigot. And so her knowledge box picture was the bigot photo. So it was like her and then it randomly said bigot. And it was a big story over the weekend because it coincided with another Google story about how uh, the California GOP underneath their ideology was listed Nazism. That someone had like found a way to you know use the algorithm to get that put in there as well. And everyone looks at this as like, oh, Google's, you know, liberal bias, these tech companies and everything else. And I think that is true. I mean, Silicon Valley is a pretty liberal place. But a lot of this just goes to show um, the problem with algorithms and the problem with automation. And that's why, you know, this idea that one day, you know, everything's going to be automated is just ridiculous. Uh, We saw the fault of that with, you know, the automated calling. And and pretty soon companies started advertising, hey, you call us and you're actually going to get someone is that computers are only as smart as the people programming them. And that's why AI you know, scares so many people because then they can start programming themselves. Um, and yeah, we make dumb decisions. We don't think about things. And then people find ways to manip- manipulate those things. And so that's kind of, I don't know if that's what happened. They did it on purpose. But I don't think there's anything nefarious from Google that Google wanted the California geo. You know, it's like California right now is having a problem with Republicans. You know, Republican Party's dying in California. And whether or not it says Nazism in the Google search, I don't think it's going to influence uh, uh, the standing of the Republican Party, nor do I think Trudy Wade's uh, house seat 
is going to be, you know, it's going to be in the balance of, you know, what happens with the Google search. And so I don't think there's anything nefarious going on. I think it just goes to show you why you need humans involved to double check these computers. Well, I, th- I think that is an interesting point and something that I have thought about before is that we have really shifted to a specialized culture. And maybe this has happened before. Maybe you'll correct me on this because I'm just throwing this out there. But I feel like as we move towards so many things that are that are ran by technology and coding and things that the vast majority of Americans don't even understand much less are able to do themselves we really are at the mercy of hackers and people whether they're playing pranks or or messing with things or you know nefarious as you keep throwing around um you know <laughs> what it's a good word yeah it, it's it's a fantastic word um <laughs> you know what what does that do you know i mean you think about the fact that everything is so digitized now whereas if the grid goes down or there's a hack or a virus or something it, i mean it will completely disable things like banking or your even your lights in your house now or your your routers and and the whole internet connectivity of your life can be affected by somebody in, in their parents' basement, you know, in Nebraska. Well, that, I, I think that's very true. Um, however, I think that, you know, Hollywood likes to hype computers and, you know, there, there's a great, uh, I think we've talked about it before, maybe. Um, but there's a great uh, video on crack where they talk about how computers basically took over for the Russians after the Soviet Union collapsed and Hollywood is like the evil empire. And all of a sudden, you know, the Terminator movies and everything else, it, that was the fear. Like, oh, no, computers are going to take over. And Hollywood has no idea how computers work. Uh, but they know that most people don't know how computers work either. And so they just, you know, make stuff up and throw it at the screen and, and everyone believes it. And so most people have really no understanding. And so the the real concern, I mean, one day we need to be concerned about AI and some of this other stuff, but the real concern nowadays is not so much someone hacking into something and, you know, controlling it's, it's user error. It's someone becoming so reliant on technology, but then they can't operate it. That's the 99% of the problems that exist today are people that adopt technology and make it part of their everyday life, but they really don't know how to use it. And they don't use it properly, and so they get locked out of their car, or they remote start it when they shouldn't start their car because their app went off. And that's that's ninety nine percent of the problem. It's not hackers hacking into your desktop and holding it for ransom. It's it's mostly people forgetting their password and getting locked out and having to call IT. Um, and so it's that's the bigger issue. And I think that plays into what happened with Google is that you know Google sets these algorithms up and goes okay now we don't need people working on it and then you know people take advantage of it or it just happens by you know happenstance and these bad things happen and it makes Google look bad and so uh, that's most of the problem with technology is people thinking it's good like oh I got this I can let that take over now and you shouldn't let it take over yeah i mean have we outkicked our evolutionary coverage at this point I mean, I feel like we're just in uncharted territory. I mean, even the fact that politicians can't do anything. I think you brought this up 10 years ago where you said we now live in an age where politicians, everything they say is recorded. So there's always going to be a record of, you know, Hillary Clinton said this in 95. Right. And we've never encountered that in the history of humankind. And. I mean, look at what it's doing now. Every little soundbite or capture, people's careers are ended. Everything is is the public court now. People are fired. Shows are canceled. You know, what have you, all because of this new digital means. And like, can we handle it? I'm not sure that people are able to actually to, to like, I, I think social media is just going to die because society can't handle it. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and plus it's ever, it's, it's, it's ever changing. Uh, I mean, the, there was a report that came out over the weekend about Facebook and how Facebook is going, uh, young people aren't getting on it because it's for old people. And so what's going to happen is in the next 10, 15, and, and then, you know, you got another big story out today about Google lying about its privacy settings. And yeah, I, I, this idea, and this is the thing that drives me nuts about, you know, some of these national populace that are out there, they don't understand capitalism. They act like they do, but they don't. And so they talk about how we got to regulate Google and we got to regulate uh, Facebook and we got to regulate all these companies because, you know, they've, they've taken too much of the market share. And, it, you know, they act like they took it. 
Like we gave them that market share because they produced a, a superior product that we want to use. But what's happening is, is that Facebook's product is now not so superior and young people aren't using it. Other people are getting off of it and they're having some major issues. And the idea that Facebook is inevitably going to be around in 10 years is ridiculous. And yeah, I think that we could start seeing, I think we've seen the pinnacle of Facebook. I think it's on the decline now. Uh, you look at Twitter, you look at a lot of these things. People are leaving social media. Now, maybe they're changing it for something else. You know, you know, Facebook, lucky enough, owns Instagram. Instagram seems to be doing a lot better. Instagram, though, does seem much more difficult to monetize. And so there could be an issue there versus, say, Facebook, a lot more places to put ads on Facebook and things like that. I just think that you look at technology and it's like any other product out there is that, yeah, people, people like it, but we could be in the golden age of social media. I mean, we could start saying, no, we don't like our society and everyone on social media and everyone using these things and no one talking to each other anymore. I think there's a value in it, but it may be like any other product where it got way too hyped. Everyone got on it and not everyone should be on it. Um, and so what you're going to see is some people are going to get off and it'll plateau at some point and we'll see if it can survive there. But I just think this inevitability that we, you know, we I mean, look how many incarnations of, of, of Facebook have existed. Uh, you know, we joke about it all the time from the famous Entourage uh, episode about Friendster. Like, if you played that for someone nowadays, they'd be like, "What is Friendster?" They'd have no idea what it was, or MySpace, or any of these other things that at one point were valued in the billions of dollars. They're gone. They, I mean, they don't even exist. I think MySpace might exist, but no one uses them. And so, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, they're, they're all facing – they're facing problems. And yeah, I, I could see the American people saying, you know what? Forget this. We're going to do something else. Like we're going to – it's going to plateau. I think, I think we've peaked with regards to social media. Well, I, I don't know if you've talked much about the GDPR uh, going on with the European Union or not. Um, as someone who not works – Yeah. So as someone who works in – um, you know, in, in sort of the information space, uh, I've had to deal with this with some clients who have websites. And for people who don't know, um, th- to me, this really flew under the radar or I just completely missed no, it. I did. I did. The last couple of weeks when everybody's probably received an email about the new privacy policy of every company they've ever signed up on an email list with, uh, even apps I forgot I downloaded. And um, the reason that is, is because the European Union basically signed the sweeping bill that says, um, you have to follow these rules for user privacy for any any person who lives in the European Union. So if you live in the United States and you sell a product and someone in uh, you know in Germany buys it, you have to abide by the European Union standards. And if you don't uh, properly handle their their personal rights and help, um, you know, and give them options as far as what data you're using and when they can unsubscribe and all of all of this laundry list of things, they will fine you extraterrestrially. Is that is that the right word? I know that's aliens, but when you're extra jurisdictionally, maybe is the is the term I'm looking for. But but how they could go after a company that doesn't even reside in the European Union, to me, is the biggest stretch of international law I've ever heard of and no one's talking about it. Yeah, I, no, I, I, mean, I haven't talked about it at all. I mean, I, I, I didn't even, you know, because it's happening in Europe and I'm like, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> well, that was, I mean, they're facing, they're facing another problem uh, in the real world with, uh, you know, their immigration issues. I was like, this is nothing. Uh, but no, I mean, it could be, I mean, let's face it. The way the world works is Europe does something and the United States 10 years later goes, hey, why don't we try that? <laughs> Even though it always fails in Europe, we go, oh, no, no, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it better and we're going to do it right. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I think you're right that it, 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 it should be a big issue because, yeah, it's only in Europe, but we love to copy Europe. We love to steal the stuff that they do, no matter how horribly it fails. Well, and the- so this is probably another example of that. Yeah, but the the thing that I am dumbfounded by is the fact that let's say let's say Tyler Crawley has a podcast called Tavern Voices and you charge people for it and someone buys it from Europe and you are not abiding by the GDPR rules, you could be fined up to two million pounds. <laughs> As an American citizen running, it doesn't matter where your server is, where your your um, company is based, nothing. If if you interact with 
European residents, you have to comply. I don't understand how that flies whatsoever with international law. Well, has someone, someone challenged it yet? Anyone challenged it? No, not yet. It just rolled out. What was it like? May twenty fifth or something well, was know, the compliance I, date. I, I was surprised there hasn't been some you know internet company, some big ones, you know Google or something, saying we're gonna we're gonna challenge this in the international court. So I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about it to to talk about it intelligently or even stupidly for that matter. So <laughs> I'm just going to uh, keep my mouth shut. But um, yeah, I'm not gonna say we'll anything about it. it. Keep, keep your eye on it. That's all I was saying. I don't want to go into a deep conversation about it, but but it's a um, I, I just can't imagine if America did the same thing. And the reason I brought that up is that there have been a lot of people complaining about, you know, privacy. You were talking about how Google and Facebook and, and the data breaches or how they're, uh, you know, giving your information out and all these things. And everyone that I've heard of keeps turning to government to solve the problem. And I just don't understand how people don't. Realize that they are the power. It's capitalism. If Google is doing something wrong, you have the court of public opinion to go after them. You can use a different search engine. You can voice your concerns about what they're doing. They're giving you something for free. It's convenient and Google works great, but you can find information in different ways. And the more that you give them that power, then they're going to, you know, have algorithms doing things and, and tailoring what kind of search results you get and what news you get. And I mean, you're, you're really playing into their hand of power. Yeah. Google's really interesting because, um, you know, Google always gets lumped in in these conversations, but it's not, it's not social media. Um, so it's almost like it's different. It's its own category. It's a search engine and the dominance that they've had, I do believe is, is somewhat interesting and no one has really made a legit challenge. We had, you know, I guess Microsoft tried with with Bing or whatever it was, and and you have um, uh, you know Yahoo obviously was the leader beforehand. But the, but the interesting thing is that unlike other companies that hold these like insane market shares and then hold on to them through you know all, all these either government intervention or you know they got you know Microsoft is probably one of the only companies that could really take on Google, and they couldn't. I mean, Bing sucked. Like anyone that's gone to Bing, you don't really use it because you just it doesn't it wasn't that good. I mean, some people liked it, but like when I would do like image searches and things like that, um, it just it wasn't good. I yeah, you know, I didn't like it. Their search results were very different. They just didn't have a good. I mean, Google has spent time perfecting this, and they just continue to have the best product. But the minute that someone comes out with a better product. They're, you know, they're, they're going to be facing some problems. The problem is that no one has. That's not the case with Facebook. There are other, you know, there are better products out there. There are other social media, you know, Snapchat, for example, Snapchat did this big upgrade. And then I think it was uh, Kylie Jenner came out and, you know, blasted the fact that she said she wasn't using it anymore and stock dropped. And a lot of people have, you know, undownloaded it and, um, or I guess, uh, what do you call it? Uninstalled the app. And undownloaded. Yeah. Is it undownloaded? Okay. No, and, no, uh, it's, not, it's <laughs> definitely not undownloaded. Undownloaded. Yeah, you undownload. That's the exact – okay, that, that works. Um, they uninstalled it. There we go. And yeah, but I mean it showed that they were – even though they're the most popular among teens, they're susceptible to market forces. And so it's weird because social media, you're seeing all these – you know, there's all this competition back and forth. But Google really – everyone's tried – but it all comes down to just one thing, and that are you a good search engine? And the reason Google's number one has nothing to do with its politics or government intervention. It's just a better search engine. And until someone comes up with a better one, uh, they're going to remain a strong number one for a long time. So what what do you do in this instance where you have a private company who is – I mean there's no way to keep them from being a search monopoly. You can't say that every you know third person who, who types in Google is referred to another site or something. <laughs> I, I mean I, I don't know how you, would, how you would regulate something that is completely open access like that. Um, so, so I mean what, what do you do when you have Google controlling the narrative of information that you get and controlling uh, the gateway basically to the internet for most people? people who do not type in the URL of where they're going. They just Google it. I mean, that it became a verb for a reason. So, so what do you do? Do you expect the government to step in and say, Google, you have to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. I don't know how, I don't know how you stop it. I mean, you're right. I, mean, what, I guess the government could throttle the website so people couldn't use it. I guess that's something that you could do. I mean, do we really want the government 
stepping in and making that decision. So I don't know. I, I have no, I mean, everyone says like, we got to do something about Google. It's like, what, what are we going to do? Um, I mean, we're going to tax them. We're going to, I mean, regulate them. How do you regulate them? I mean, it's, it's, it, once again, people are choosing to use Google because it's the better product. And, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, it's it's the same thing with any monopoly. I guess you just keep taxing them, as you know Reagan said. If you want to slow something down, you tax it, um, and then you regulate it, and then you tax it until it stops moving. And then I guess you subsidize it. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's 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 our only option. Um, I just it's but there's nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, but there's no competitor. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that, that that's at the same level that Google's at. I mean, I guess people can go to these other, these, and there's a ton of search engines on the website. But the other problem that you have is that a lot of these browsers, you, you go to the address bar and they have a, they have like a Google thing built in. <laughs> so you don't even have to go to Google's website anymore. You just type it into the address bar and it automatically works. And so I don't know how you deal with, I mean, to me that, that, that seems like a bigger monopoly issue than when Microsoft had Internet Explorer on its browser or on its operating system. But yeah, I have no idea how, how the government, if they said, okay, that's it. We're going to start making things fair in, in search engine world. And so we're going to throttle Google's website and we're going to tax them and regulate them. And I just feel like there would be an uproar from the American people. I feel like we, we would speak so loud (laughs) that, that, that they probably wouldn't do it. Well, I would hope so. But to be honest, I I feel like everyone is looking to government to solve it. I mean, I think they want some sort of American. I've I've heard so many people say a um, like a personal information bill of rights where essentially the government would institute a constitutional amendment prohibiting private businesses from what they do with your information. And I can't wrap my head around that, to be honest, from any sort of ideological perspective whatsoever, that anyone would want to turn over all of this power to the government who they're the ones I'm concerned about having information. To be honest, I don't care if Facebook monitors everything I do, if what I'm getting from them is is worth it, right? If, if when you go to Google, you say – Google, you can collect and monetize this information any way possible. I just want a search result in half a second that is answering what I'm looking for, right? That's the exchange that that Google and I are having or Facebook. Like I want to see a funny cat video in exchange. You can tell people that, um, you know, that I liked this page and therefore they can advertise to me. But when you have Facebook and Google potentially being um, coerced by the government, subpoenaed to give over your information of your search, uh, you know, your search history or your private messages on Facebook or things like that to when now that government has power over you because Google does it. I mean, if you really want to, to not use Google, there are other search engines. There are private ones. There are even uh, these things called libraries. If you really want to go off the grid, you don't have to use Google. But giving that sort of information and power to the government, I think, is a far, a far worse proposition. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, there's no doubt history has told us that's a horrible decision. The government's just bad at making decisions. It just is, uh, especially at picking winners and losers. I mean, they're just they're, – they're awful. They're 10 years behind. I mean, especially when it comes to technology. Uh, the, the idea that, oh, the government will protect, especially when the government's the one spying on. Like, it's, yeah, you look at some of the things that are happening right now. Some of the things, you know, this, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the legitimate gripes uh, from this Trump fiasco, the investigation, you know, the spy gate, all that. I mean, that's, a lot of that's ridiculous. But it was the unmasking that was done by the Obama administration that exposed Mike Flynn. Uh, in talking with, uh, uh, I think it was Russia Ambassador Sergei uh, Kislyak, it was the government who wasn't supposed to do that. Like the government said, "Hey, don't worry, we're going to listen to these foreign phone calls, and we're only going to unleash the uh, or, or release the names of people if you know we really have to." And then it turned out, well, and there's the argument that there was no reason why they should have done that other than for a political kind of hit job against the Trump campaign. And so it's like we're going to put we, – because the thing is everyone loves the idea of the government being in power when your guy's in power. It's like liberals loved it when Obama was going to take over industries, but they don't love it when Trump 
makes the same threats because they don't like Trump. And so that's why the solution is just you don't let government do that. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad across the board. So no, government shouldn't be in charge. And that's why the marketplace is the best way to go. And that's why you're seeing as Facebook stumbles and has these problems, yeah, it's, it's going to affect their bottom line. People are going to start dropping off and they're going to have to reassure people. It's like Wells Fargo. I saw a commercial. Wells Fargo laid out a new um, uh, ad campaign, like established in 1780, you know, 1718 or whatever it was. And then it says, um, but reestablished in 2018. That's, that's, that's their big campaign that they're running because they had all those problems with uh, opening checking accounts and mortgages and people's names. And, and so they have to get the, the public's trust back. And so they're trying to do it. Government, yeah, the government fined them and everyone made a bill, oh, like a big fine. Again. But the real reason that Wells Fargo is doing this is not because the government fined. They're doing it because the people said, I don't trust you anymore. And that's the bet. That's, that is the biggest hit for any company. It's not some stupid government fine. They'll find a way to pay that. They'll, there's tax advantage. I mean, there's, it's losing the public, the customers. That's the bigger hit when their stock drops 10, 20% and uh, shareholders and everyone in the company loses all that. That's the hit. That's way more than any fine. Um, and so that, that is the best way for it to work. But yeah, but then, but then going back to Google, what do you do? I mean, what if Google were tomorrow to say, you know what, we're just not going to, we're just going to create a crappy product. How long does it take? I think that's the problem that people have. How long would it take for us all to go to say Bing? Or would we just keep using Google because we're used to it? And so people are afraid that so let's say Google does start doing evil things. Could they do that? And we're just, you know, so pre-programmed and everything else. We just keep using Google. Uh, I think that's the thing that people are worried about. But the, once again, the gov- that's our stupidity. <laughs> I don't think the government should be deciding what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. But yeah, I, I get the concern. I mean, Google's its own. We've never seen anything like Google before. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree. And that's why I was curious on on your take of it. And I mean, we've seen this traditionally. I mean, every business does this, uh, whether it's, you know, Taco Bell actually putting beef in their beef tacos again, or, um, you know, airlines who have who have pretty much ended overnight due to a, a plane crash. I mean, look what TWA happened, you know, with Flight 800 and, and different. I mean, you've seen these different market reactions. And I think ultimately people people have to be able to be given the choice. Right. I, I don't think that you can empower Trump or Obama or whoever comes next to to know what's best for everyone. Right. And I think that's what maybe people are finally realizing, but I'm not really sure that they are. I think it's always just a constant power shift from one side to the other. I'm in charge now. I'm going to do what I want to do. And then the other side takes power and they say, well, now I'm in charge. I'm going to do what I want to do. And no one wins. Well, it's why everyone, you know? so, everyone should be worried. That's my doom and, that's my doom and well, I mean, That's why everyone should be. I, I was reading something today, uh, not surprisingly, and it was over at the Weekly Standard. Charlie Sykes, famous kind of um, uh, never Trump guy. And he was talking, you know, he asked the question, is Donald Trump a Bernie bro? Because what's hysterical to me, and it reminds me of this uh, great, Oh, what's the guy's name? It's not Greg Fitzsimmons. It's a Todd Berry. You ever, you ever seen Todd Berry, comedian? Uh, no. I don't believe so. Uh, well, he's very deadpan. He's like one of those comics who just does like <laughs> everything. He's like a straight man. Um, he just sort of like just very monotone delivery. And it's just hysterical the way he does it. But he has this one uh, skit or one bit or whatever it is where he talks about hearing this woman saying that she loves Coke and hate, hates Pepsi. And he, you know, he, he goes, man, I, I feel so sorry for her because her body is simultaneously telling her that she hates something that she loves. And it's, it, it's kind of funny to think about it because there are people out there that like love Pepsi and don't like Coke. It's, I mean, you know, I, I like that. I like Pepsi over Coke, but I mean, if someone were to, I've already done a blind test test. I don't know if I can tell the difference. I feel like there's a difference. I don't know if there is. And to me, it's like Trump and Bernie are kind of the same thing. But you just see this just overall in general with sort of this populism, which exists on both the right and the left. And Trump supporters hate Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders supporters hate Trump. 
And yet they both have such similar policies on economics and immigration that it's almost you're sitting there going, it, you know, you're, it's like it's like the Todd Berry joke. Your your mind is telling you that you hate something that you secretly love, and they're not exactly similar. I mean, obviously they have different looks on you know, uh, deregulation and um, taxes and things like that. But on a lot of these economic issues and immigration issues, which people have said that's the reason Trump won, they line up perfectly. And so it, to me, it's it, it's so interesting because the argument is is that well, if Trump's in power, and you know the the Trump populists say Trump's in power. He should be, you know, he should tell Google what to do and he should be telling electric companies what to do and all these people tell them to do. And the Bernie people go, no, that's the worst thing ever. But then if Bernie's in power, it's like, yeah, Bernie should be telling Google what to do and everything else. The Trump supporters would say, no, that's the worst thing ever. And that's why the solution is nobody (laughs) should be telling Google what to do or the energy companies to do. And no one should be seizing the means of production and no one should. Uh, And that's that's one of the, the flaws of that of the the ideology of populism is that it's like yeah we're fine when our guys in charge but if your guys in charge then that's it's then that, that's a flawed ideology the the best way and that's why capitalism and a constitutional republic the way we have it set up is even the worst person in power is still not going to be able to do that much damage because we have the checks and balances um, versus a system where it all it, it solely relies on who's in power, which is why you see so many other countries have such problems, and so that's why the solution is is let the marketplace decide. Yeah, you know that's it's very interesting you brought that up because I've always wondered why when you go into a restaurant and you say I'll have Coke because when you're from the South, at least Southeast, everything's yeah. Coke, right? And you're from up in Yankee land somewhere. So I don't know what you guys say. If, it, if it's like soda pop or whatever. The thing is I also like Coke. So I, 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 don't, I, didn't, right. I think the generic term is Coke, but I happen to like Coke anyway too. So Exactly. And, and so I've gone into restaurants. I said, you know, I'll have a Coke most of the time, sweet tea, but I'll say, I'll, you know, I'll have a Coke. And they might say, oh, well, we only have yeah. Pepsi. Is that okay? And I've never understood why. Like, why wouldn't it be okay? A, you don't have Coke, so I don't have a choice. And B, who says, you know what, forget it. I'm going to get a totally different beverage now because I hate Pepsi that much that I'm just going to completely change my order. But I guess those people are well, out I there also, and I've never understood who also, they are. A lot of these restaurants have uh, licensing. I don't know if it's licensing deals or whatever, but they only serve that product. And so Pepsi right, probably yeah. doesn't want – them someone ordering a Coke and then getting a Pepsi uh, just for quality purposes. And Coke probably doesn't want it either. So, I mean, you order a Coke and they bring you a Pepsi and let's say the, the syrup's not working. It tastes like garbage. Coke doesn't want you associating Coke with the fact that the Pepsi machine broke. And so I think that there's probably a lot of legal reasons why they do that. Um, so you're telling me that wait staff has legal reasoning for that? I, I don't know. No, I, I, I I think that you're you're going through. No, way no, no, no. Too what I'm much. saying is, is that Pepsi probably says make sure. I don't think they would sue someone that didn't, but I think that that's the reason why is that they say, listen, we're going to let you, you know, we're going to give, you know, we're going to provide the Pepsi products and everything else, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know how these licensing deals work and how these partnerships work, but one of the things they probably stipulate is that you have to make sure that you clarify that this is our product. You know, it'd be like if you were walked into a you know, someone said, I want a Mercedes. And you're like, well, I got, you know, you got a Volkswagen. And you said, well, you know, they're, they're somewhat similar. So you were like, yeah, this is a Mercedes. And you sold it to someone, they're driving around thinking it's Mercedes. Like, I think there's probably a legal aspect for why they have to say that. I don't think anyone's, I don't, I don't know in the history of the world of anyone getting in trouble for it, but I'm sure that's probably why they asked that stupid question or clarification. All right. You know, I mean, I was just wondering. That's why I said that. And now you, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they probably don't want people getting confused um, as if well, they could yeah. tell the difference. So that, that so, so are you saying Trump is Pepsi or Coke? Trump is RC Cola <laughs> or Tab. Trump's Tab. <laughs> you're just. You're just saying that because because I, you're you never know, Trumper, it, aren't you? <laughs> it's okay. You can you can you can come out in the open about it. You know, I um I uh 
he, he's probably like an orange Shasta. Yes. Orange cream soda Shasta. No, Fanta. What's, what's, what's the orange cream? So- no, just, I think it's just the orange creamsicle, right? Is there an orange creamsicle soda? Is that what it was? I, th- I think I there can't is. remember what it was. The order from the episode. I'm, 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 I'm glad you brought up the Never Trump thing, though, because I was. It's so funny because you see a couple weeks ago, Glenn Beck announced that he was he put on a, a MAGA hat, Make America Great Again hat, and I didn't see it. Not. Okay, so he he announced it. It was after the way the press went after him for the MS13 comment when he said like they're thugs, they're animals, or whatever. And in the press tried to make it look like he was talking about all immigrants, but he was talking about MS-13. And he said, that's it, the press. And so Beck, who, let's face it, has faced a significant financial penalty for being against Trump. I mean, he's faced some serious problems. He's fired people. It is, you know, he had this, this burgeoning um, uh, empire, and it started going the other way. And I've even heard rumors that Ben Shapiro – uh, and the people helping finance him uh, are thinking about maybe I don't know if they're going to buy the whole operation or the website or I'm not sure what it is, but he, you know, did that, and I, I was like, oh, I wonder what people are going to respond. And it was kind of funny because some people said, oh, you know, this is great, but a lot of Trump people assumed that it was solely selfish, like he was doing it because, uh oh, he's facing problems, and so I better get all the people back to listening to my show, and so I'll you know, pander to them and, and become a Trump supporter. And to me, that's what's so interesting about politics because, you know, what was the famous, oh, what was the famous quote about the, it was like a famous liberal that said it. So I, I'm sure people get mad when conservatives quote it, but it, he said, uh, when the facts change, you know, my opinion changes, you know, how do you decide, sir, or something along those lines. And you can't do that nowadays. Like once you make a decision, going back to our initial conversation, because everything's online, everything's available. Once you take a position, if you change your mind, for the most part, the group that you're changing to, depending on the group, might not be open to it. They might say, oh, you're just doing this for, you know, you're an opportunist. That's the only reason you're doing it. You know, you've already solidified yourself as this position. And it almost becomes like, well, we don't even want you on our side. Like, we want to see you fail because you weren't there from the beginning. And so we don't care if... You're showing up now. We don't want you. And it was really kind of fascinating. I think that's the way it is right now with Trump. Like if you were someone that was against Trump, even if you had like an epiphany and were like, wow, actually, I think what he's doing is great. I don't think you could come out and say that because I think what would happen is that one, the the Trump people would be like, whatever, you're a phony. You don't really like him. And then and then the never Trump people would be like, oh, I see. Oh, oh, you're an opportunist. You've left the group. Because Beck faced massive backlash um, from some of the Never Trump people and from the Trump people. So I think he's like in a worse position now since doing that. And it, it'll be interesting to see what happens because, you know, politics used to be I – mean, that was the whole purpose of politics is to convince people to come to your side. And now we're in this place like where it's like once you take a position and it's well documented, you can't, you can't change um, because no one's going to believe you. Especially if you're in a for-profit business where your well, political commentary is your job. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a difference. And and I think that really it goes back to what we've talked about on here numerous times about the lack of ability of people to have an actual conversation about anything without it being you versus me and and just total entrenchment on your side of the argument. No one can can have a conversation anymore. It's... It's amazing that even people that I thought were friends, you post something on Facebook and now you've offended them and they, they have to argue against you and all this. I'm just like, holy cow, what, where have we gotten to? Because when I posted stuff on Facebook 10 years ago, it wasn't the same environment. So you look at where we are now and I don't think that you have people and it's not just in politics. I mean, if, if, if you and I were having a conversation about LeBron James right now, people are either pro LeBron or LeBron haters. They can't actually sit down and look at the facts. They can't sit down and have a conversation about, about what his real place in history is, right? It's it's people that either think he's the greatest or people who think that Jordan is always going to be the greatest and there's no common ground. There's a, I think it's going to say is that sports is is also, it's the same thing with politics though, I guess. Maybe there isn't a difference is that that's the problem that we face. Like this morning I was talking about, uh, for these tariffs 
And a lot of people have said that, you know, well, Reagan supported protectionist policies. And there was a great piece over at the Cato Institute where someone said, well, here's why Trump, did, you know, here's why Reagan did what he did. You know, we had a Democrat Congress, things were different. And so, like sports, Unless you're comparing people that are playing it, and even then you can't because you have different teammates and everything else. And so you look at, you know, Stephon Curry and LeBron James, and people would say, well, clearly LeBron James is way better than Stephon Curry, even though Stephon Curry could end up with more rings, is setting more records. Um, uh, but people are never going to go, wow, Stephon Curry's the best, even though you might look at his record and say, well, yeah, he is. So the debate's always going to be Jordan versus LeBron, but they, played, they didn't play together. So you're comparing different times, different competition, so many different things, just like politics. Like you can never compare Trump to Reagan because they just have different presidencies. And so, you know, one side will latch on to what they think is an accurate comparison. The other side will latch on to what they think is accurate. But that's that's why it's almost like this kind of fool's errand because you're never going to come to a consensus because it's unless, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James play one on one. And even then you could say, well. Michael Jordan's too old now, so you have to go back to Time Machine and have Michael Jordan in his prime play LeBron in his prime, uh, and you'd have to have you know Donald Trump run against Ronald Reagan, and so you have you're never going to have an accurate comparison, and so that's why these debates will continue forever because it's impossible to compare because every scenario, every NBA Finals is different, every presidential election they're all different, and so you can make some comparisons, but there's a little there's always little differences that make it different. And so that's what makes the comparisons difficult. No, it it absolutely does. And that's why, you know, I I think it's exemplified by, that's not the word I'm going for. It's amplified by, by the, uh, the always Trumpers being stuck in that idea that there was some sort of prime time of history, right? It was like Reagan's president and everything's great. And we always want to go back to that. And that's why they still have Lincoln Reagan dinners because they just think they're the most popular presidents. They're not really founded on here are principles. Here are the reasons things were a certain way. They think they legitimately think that Trump can just take us back 50 years in time, pre Reagan, pre everything when just life is great. I mean, the, the baby boomers are trying to return to this, um, to this historical period that they have there, made there was up a great in their tweet from someone who said that um, pop, so, your national populism is the uh, the uh, naive belief that you can have a modern standard of living with your grandfather's culture, and that things change. And so, if you want the good, you got to take the bad. And that's kind of the problem that you run into with say Trump, where you know he talks about all this stuff, but we're never gonna we're never going to be the economy that we were just because it's, it's, it's totally different. Um, the global economy's changed. You just you can't go back to it. Yeah. And we've even talked about that here. There are a lot of reasons to not want to do that, right? Like why, why yeah. do we want to go back to people working <laughs> in coal mines if we don't have to? I, I'm not. I don't know what the the fetishization of of this idea is. I I, I don't get it. Change is good, and I, I think that's where I differ a lot from Republicans in general sense. Is that like change is a good thing? We shouldn't be going backwards. We should be moving forward and and learning from from our mistakes. Because you see that even now when, with the debate on whether it be the budget, education budget, teacher salaries, anything like that in North Carolina, you can't make these historical comparisons. You have to take everything as a whole, right? Did teachers make more back in the day or did they make less? What was everyone else making back then? What, what, what is the full picture of what is going on? And you can't get anyone to sit down and talk to you long enough to, to hash that out. It's got to be an instantaneous you versus me tribalism mentality. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it, I mean, the, the worst part that, that I think is kind of funny is, is that, because you know, I, I noticed this because I'll post things on Facebook. Because, you know, I have my own personal, you know, kind of Facebook for my show. And then there's a station Facebook page and, and I'll post articles. And it's really kind of fascinating because I try and be a little bit more kind of even keel, I guess, a little bit more um, uh, impartial on the posting when I put something on you know the Wave Facebook page versus mine. And so I'll post something like, oh, this is, this is pretty good. But if, it was, if there's any criticism, 
uh, Donald Trump. Donald Trump people will, will, will go right after it. Even if – like there was one article I posted where it said, oh, you know the reason why Donald Trump – um, isn't facing any backlash. Like it was explaining because Democrats are like conf- confounded for how some of these scandals are getting more attention. And this guy from Business Insider, who I think used to be Republican, said that well, basically it's because Hillary Clinton <laughs> was making all of these arguments like beforehand, uh, before she ran. Like, oh, it's okay to have financial interests tied to your political campaigns and so on and so forth. And so when Trump gets accused of it, everyone kind of goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the same thing Hillary was arguing. And so that was the that was the gist of the article where it was sort of like, hey, you know, Hillary and, and Trump people were so mad about it. Oh, Trump's never done anything like Hillary. Hillary's the worst ever. She's the most horrible person ever. And Donald Trump is is beyond reproach. And oh, my gosh, how, how dare you even put him in the same category? And so it's like if even though the entire thing was an attack on Hillary the fact that it criticized Trump for having, I mean, legitimate issues, you know, with some of these financial ties and the, to, to his businesses and, and in his in his role as president, it that didn't matter. It was man, you criticized Trump, and so that article was bogus. That's fake news. That's the worst thing ever. Uh, and vice versa on the other side. If you you know, uh, liberals were like, oh, it's not even the same thing. Hillary is didn't even come close to doing what Trump is doing, and so you can't even like. Something that seemed pretty impartial to me uh, was hated by both sides because how dare you criticize dear leader? And it just it's 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 not good. It's not a good thing. And I experienced a little bit. And maybe I, I don't know about you. And I want to speak. I don't put words in your mouth. But when Bush was president, he was sort of the first president that I really kind of learned politics about. And I did find myself defending some of the big government things that that Bush did because I liked them and I voted for him. And I remember when he left office and I saw, you know, what happened to the Republican Party in his wake. And I said, I'm never going to do that again. And I thought a lot of us did where we said, we're never going to let a a person destroy our ideology. And I feel like (laughs) Trump gets elected and everyone just gets right back into form. It's like, let's get right back. Anything he does is the best thing ever. And and then, you know, Trump's going to leave office. And the government will have gotten bigger while bigger debt will go, man, we got to make sure we never do that again. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was like to be a Republican in 2008. And, and so I'm trying to say, hey, we got to criticize Trump when he does dumb stuff. But unfortunately, it seems like we a lot of people fall right back into that that Bush trap where anything he does is great. And don't don't criticize it. or You're giving the Democrats an advantage. No, you're you're 100 percent correct, and I absolutely did. I think that there is probably recorded evidence of you and I oh, yeah. both defending Bush uh, around 2009, right when the uh, when the when the when the dance came to an end, we were still swaying in the music, and um, and and I think the hard part is because I wrestle with this a lot as someone who works in state government, who has been actively involved in you know on various campaigns who has, you know, worked for nonprofits that advocated for, for different, you know, particular issues. Right. So I feel like I've always been on this, this, you know, on different sides of the, uh, of the prism. And it's, it's really hard because you have here are what my principles are. This is why I support X candidate. And usually that candidate doesn't even make it through the primary because they're so ideologically strong. So then you have to move on to, okay, well, this wasn't my pick, but it's better than the other person. So then you kind of slide down the bench a little bit, right? And then that person gets elected and you go, all right, this is great. My person's in. And they get into office and even on things that maybe you saw eye to eye on ideologically, there is this process called governance, which – has nothing to do with ideology most of the time, right? It's committees. It's the the, the saying that uh, I learned many years ago was that a camel was the resort of a congressional <laughs> committee on horses. And so what you have to do is, is then actually get something that can be voted on and passed. And at the end of the day, everyone hates you, right? You, your, your super constitutionalists hate you because you voted on something that was not hard down the line, either limited taxation or, or pro business or, or whatever. Um, but you had to bring in people across the aisle. And, and I think that's what a lot of people forget about. I mean, Reagan had, had Tip O'Neill. So he had a Democrat controlled Congress that he had to work with. He did a lot of moderate stuff to get it through. I mean, even George W did that in Texas, 
there's a, there's a lot written about how he yeah. worked with the Democrat legislature in Texas as governor. And, and so, I mean, it's hard to balance all that. And if people can't sit down and say, here's what happened in this particular game, if all they can say is LeBron James sucks and they don't actually look at the game he played in and say what he did and here were the plays, why it happened, who else was involved. You know, the AC went out, he had sushi for lunch, like whatever else was, was at play in the game. If you can't talk about that, then yeah, all you're going to say is that LeBron's the greatest or he's the worst. And I think that's where we're at. Either either you're Trump's, you know, here to save us all, or you can't wait to vote against literally anyone who runs against him, and without having a, a conversation about it. And it, I just don't know how we get I mean, back to that. I point. guess you could argue. Some people probably argue: Were we ever actually there? Um, I mean, <laughs> that's well, very I mean, existential it's of you, you Tyler. At, uh, I mean, even if you go back and, and we look at, say, you know, William Buckley, right, uh, and, and I mean, he was quite. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Ostentatious. No, I mean, like he would go after people. Uh, I mean, he was looking at this sort of com- civilized. Combative. Yeah, I mean, very kind of combative, and sometimes he would even go a little low. I mean, sometimes he would kind of you know go after people and, and take a dig, and and he did it in such a you know intelligent way that it didn't seem as bad. But yeah, I mean, even even he would make these comments, and so maybe you can make an argument that you know one of the things that people don't like about Trump is that he does it in some of this you know very kindergarten like way. With you know, he doesn't have a very strong grasp of the English language like someone like Buckley does. But they're still doing the same thing. I mean, they're they're still going after liberals and attacking them on on maybe even some personal things. And so I don't know. I I I, I, I like to think that we were in a better place. And clearly, if you talk to people in Washington, they say that, you know, we were like, you, could go, you know, a Democrat and a Republican could go out to lunch or dinner. Now someone snaps a photo and you're enemy number one by a conservative group because this guy's really the enemy. Look, he's having lunch with a Democrat. So that the, the civility, I guess, is has I, I, I think what's interesting is that the on air stuff, I think, has always been sort of um, vitriolic, but. The, the behind the scenes, I think, was more civil. And I think that's what's causing so many problems is that it used to be like you get up there and you'd fight back and forth and you hated each other on TV and then cameras went off and lights went off and you went to dinner. But now it's like, no, I hate you off camera too. <laughs> and, and I think that that is poisoning a lot of things and it's infecting social media to go back to what we were talking about. Um, where now if you find out that your friend – is a Trump voter or not a Trump voter, you might defriend that person. And yeah, I've actually been worried that I'm going to lose friends for the stance that I take. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it, it does, it, it does concern me because while I, a lot of my friends are not a fan of Trump, I do have friends that are, you know, supportive of Trump and you know, it does, it, it you think about it because it's, it's a, it's a big topic. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's funny because also, also a lot of my liberal friends have become <laughs> – they all of a sudden want to talk politics with me because they're like, man, you don't like Trump either until they find out why I don't like Trump. It's like, oh, he's not a conservative. Oh, well, I thought you didn't like him because he you know, didn't want to expand Medicaid. I'm like, no, I don't like him because he couldn't get rid of Medicaid. And so then we stop talking politics once again. So it's, it's a very weird, weird time, uh, especially with, with, with um, President Trump. But – uh, I I don't think it's completely far gone. In fact, I actually saw that they're bringing firing line back. Did you see that? I, I did not. Are they bringing Buckley back? <laughs> no, they're, no. And uh, Margaret Hoover, who used to work in the Bush mm-hmm. administration, yep. uh, she's going to be hosting it. And I think she had Paul Ryan on. The thing is, the problem they got, and I think the first topic they had was like poverty something, is that you know, some people don't like the fact that Trump's so bombastic and, and, and um, you know, he talks about maybe juvenile topics like, you know, the, the kneeling at the NFL and stuff. But at the same time, sometimes I think that then to counter that, people then go too far and try and get too intellectual and then it's like boring and then no one's going to listen to you because you're talking about like something too in-depth and you get too into the weeds and everyone's like, I don't, you know, it, you need a balance. Uh, and I think that's what Buckley did very well. Was that he was this you know super intellectual, but he also could talk about things in a way that people could you know follow, and he would talk about things that people cared about, and would interview people. And so, 
I don't know. I, I have optimism going forward. I, I you know, we we're talking about Facebook. I, I think maybe we're at peak um, incivility. Is that would that be the? Yeah, I think so. The word to use. So I, I think we might start going in the other direction. Hopefully, but I don't know. Young young people seem open to it, so maybe maybe there's hope. There's hope with the youth. There's always hope with the youth, and I hope we're still part of that group at this point. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I was. I realized the other day that I went to a young Republican meeting here in uh, New Hanover County, and they kicked you and, out. Uh, well, I realized I was like, oh my gosh, I'm. I only got like four years left, and then I'm. I'm. A, I remember. I don't know if you remember this. 2009, uh, Lario Pontano. It was 2009. Yeah, he was running for Congress, and there was a young Republican meeting, and I remember ripping on him. Because I think he was like, was he like 38 or something? And I'm like, God, I'm almost there. Because <laughs> I was joking, like, hey, can you even be at this meeting? And I think like he was like, he might have just, might have been just at 40 or close, just a little bit under. I can't remember how old he was when he, when he ran for Congress a uh, couple, or almost 10 years ago. But I started thinking like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy now. <laughs> like, where's the, where's the little punk 25, six year old that's going to tell me to, to leave, to get out of the meeting? So. Don't worry. Time, time does move on. Time does march on. See, time marches on, my friend. And speaking of, the time has marched on us quite quite a bit tonight. So we should probably, I mean, whatever time you are listening to this ambiguously filmed, scheduled <laughs> podcast is. Recorded. Recorded. Uh, recorded, yes. Recorded live on location Damn. in different locations at the same time. Well, it's like, uh, it's like the famous uh, George Carlin skit where he talks about there's too much use of this prefix pre, pre this, pre that. And he's like, he's like, place the turkey into a preheated oven. There's only two states an oven can be in, heated or unheated. He's like, preheated makes no sense. And he says this program was pre-recorded. Well, of course it was. Like, what else are you going to record it afterwards? So this program was pre-recorded just for everyone's listening enjoyment. Oh, the great, the great Carlin. What he would be saying today. <laughs> oh, my God. I. It was funny because remember, he was, he was, a, he's a liberal, but. But like a real I mean, liberal. He going yeah, I mean, he started going after like a free speech liberal, and he started really going. It would be interesting today, I because the social justice warriors on the left, um, I don't because you think he, he definitely would be against Trump, but I don't think he would be for some of the craziness on the left, like these people that whine and moan about everything. He used to make fun of people like that all the time, the environmentalists and stuff. Oh yeah, so yeah, it would be oh, it would be great if he was still alive. Uh, I'd love to know what he would think because. I, I think he'd have so much material, but we have to go. We have to go. Oh, Sorry, well, we, we, we can go up a whole, 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 uh, whole uh, another hour on George Carlin. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we can do that next week. I don't know if there's going to be enough news or not, so we'll see what happens. That's true. Well, That's true. <laughs> well thanks for joining me, Tyler. This has been Tavern Voices, and uh, we're going to keep the streak alive at at one and uh, go for it again next week. That's right. Well, Memorial Day, so that's not our fault. So technically, too. Yeah, but you know, capitalists don't take holidays, Tyler. I just <laughs> want to put that out there. 